0: Hoo-dee-hoo! Hey guys, we're back with episode... Eight, right? Oh wow, we're already getting up there. Um, So I wanted to give everyone a quick disclaimer. This episode is going to be very dark. Uh, there's no way around that. And... It's for the betterment though. Like, it's for to help people and to help to help me... And, um yeah, I mean, at the end of this, if people have a negative, you know, a pessimistic or an optimistic opinion to- about me now, that's cool. Um I'm not going to apologize for any of this because it's this just stuff that happened. This is stuff that I thought. Um I just got to get it off my chest. And I know a lot of people that are going through it and they're just afraid to share those thoughts. They're afraid to express this because they know people look at them different. Well... The good thing for me is I know people already do that with me anyway. So, why not try something else? And, uh, you gotta own your truths. You just have to. So, like I said, this is gonna be a very, you know, dark and cloudy storm coming. No, I don't know. It's, like I said, the severity of this episode, what comes from it, comes from it. I don't care. I just want to help people. And I want to make myself happy. And uh, like I said, the very end of the episode, there is a light at the end of the tunnel that I will talk about. But I need to get through everything else before. And uh, I've been holding back on this one. No one I've been wanting to do it. But we're going to get it out of the way. And I think it's going to end up being one of the better ones. So, yeah, guys, please listen. And uh, know that I care about you all that do. And uh, we're going to get to an ad. And then... Back to the show. Hey guys, we're back with your favorite part. Back with your favorite part. It's the ad. Um, My ad is Anchor, and I'm just happy with this because of how easy it is. Um, As I've said in many episodes, um, my depression beats me up, and if this wasn't so easy to do, I would have given up on it pretty quickly. And now I'm very, very committed. Um, You can download the app at any app store on any device. Um, You can get it on... You can also check it out on their website, which is anchor.fm. And like I said, the tools are very simple. Just hit record. Once you make an account... And once you got your audio, you can put in little drops, put in music, you can trim things down. It's on all platforms like Apple and Spotify. Um, Yeah, guys, check it out. Hope you enjoy. And uh, back to the episode. Hey everybody, we are back with episode 8. So, in previous episodes, I've asked, do you guys think you really know me? And those are mainly for the people who do actually know me. And, you know, I'm learning, especially from my family, they're all saying, we really, really thought we knew a lot of things about you, but we don't. And, um, this is the topic that a lot of people don't know. Some people know bits and pieces of it. So my depression. You know, I, I've, I've been fighting my whole life for many things. I mean, even this podcast is a fight just to get people to listen, to get the message out there, to help other people and inspire people to tell their stories and, and, and get it to the right platforms to where they will want to share it and so others can hear it and and hopefully it'll wake them up and want to just say we're enough we we had enough of this shit but oh yeah and, and you know my fight with my eye condition that's a daily thing there's not a day goes by where i don't wake up and my eyes are a little blurry and it takes a while to fluctuate and to get back into place if it ever does And my place is not anywhere near as good as most people's places. And I don't know if I'll win this fight. I win little battles, but I never, never win the war. But I'm still here and I'm still fighting. But the war against my head has easily been the toughest challenge. Recovering from all the things I've had to recover from physically, mentally, emotionally, still, nothing compares to this, and I've been trying to search where the depression resonates from, and I I think it's, I think obviously the most obvious part is that my childhood was stripped from me, and I was a very happy kid, and kind of boisterous, and, you know, I I was, you know, I wasn't, I don't think I was too shy, and then, metaphorically and literally the lights went out. And it was a huge realization. And as I said before, I was kind of happy in the hospital to some degree as far as um you know play with my toys and so on. Like I was in a lot of pain and whatever, but I still smiled and I still tried to get through it. And it was after, especially when we moved to Philly, and then how the light really affected my eyes early on, and I realized how different things were, and I knew I would never see the same again, I knew the one thing I loved the most was cars, and I knew I wouldn't be able to drive, um, a lot of things ran through my head that people would think, oh, what would the little kid think about? But no, I remember that stuff. You know, I... You know, there was a little moment where I remember hanging myself from the blinds in my... uh, in the house that my mom and dad and I lived in. And no, I don't think it was an attempt to suicide. But I don't know what it was. But I remember wrapping the blinds around my throat and just hanging there. It must have been some tough-ass blinds, but... And my mom found me in the kitchen. She got me down and whatever. And it's like, I mean, I don't think that wasn't it. Again, because I don't remember what my mindset was that, at that point. But I do remember it vividly. And I think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was an attempt. Maybe it was just something. I was just a screw it. But I remember not being happy. And I hated the fact that I couldn't see again. As I said before, I loved cars. And I knew what every model was just by the emblem or the body shape or whatever. And I I really wanted to drive. I remember my mom, my dad putting me on his lap and just like let me kind of steer the car. And remember how awesome that was. And then the realization of that, it's like, oh, this isn't going to happen. And looking out the window and the things that I used to see clearly didn't show up anymore everything was just a blur and then going to daycare and going to certain places where people looked at me differently and you know i literally and metaphorically also lost my skin i i guess my my guard against every fear i had you know now everything is sensitive You know, my eyes, my skin. And I realized I didn't have the confidence that I once had. Not that I had a whole lot. I mean, I was a kid. But I wasn't like I was at that point in time. And, you know, like I said, it has to have come from that time. Um, Even the anxiety, all that had to stem from that part right there. And the more I went to Philly and the more I would walk into polls um, and I couldn't keep my hat over my head I have to you know like as I said before, just completely down over both eyes, blocking the light I'd just walk into things and kids teasing me and then not having friends and you know I've always said that I'm a very loyal person, and my mom will remember this because I don't really trust many people and I remember she had this lady that she worked with, I think helped do her taxes, I believe, and she promised to take me out for ice cream. And she never did. And that like hurt my feeling, because I really thought she would, and I put my faith in her. And it kind of pushed me in the wrong direction of how I perceive people. But that's kind of how people have... uh, that's, that's basically the end result of what people have given me through the years, most of, them, of course. And, you know, my eyes, as I said also, that I'm a very visual person, and that's the irony of me. And every time I try to feel sexy or cool, my eyes take that from me. Every time I try to feel happy, anytime I try to feel at peace with anything. My eyes make me feel insecure or, you know, it's like somebody was going, oh, you know, I see, look at that cat over there. And, you know, me, I love animals, but I can't see that cat over there. You know, I jokingly said, you know, I, my, my, my term for it is I envisioned it. And it's cute, but there's a lot of pain that comes with that. Um, You know, I wear my visually impairedness very well, I guess. But it's all pushed inside. And I joke a lot and I try to find my way through life. But it it takes a toll on you after a while. And, um, you know, and then when the schooling came and all the stuff I explained with that, I never really got to recover. You know, when I finally started to see a little bit better, and I got to take the bandages off, and I got to do all these things, then life hit me right away. I never got a chance to grow up. I never got a chance to feel what a lot of other people felt like. I had to watch kids play with their families and enjoy their friendships and, you know, dating and all these different things, and I had to wait forever to get anything. Every day was a struggle. And, and still is. One of the things I wanna make sure people get clear when I say all these things, some of this stuff is still going on today. Um, and my schooling was absolute, like for a good part of it was terrible. And I never got to, like I never had any real confidence and I never had many real friends and that, that does something for you, you know? My mom was like my one friend, or my toys, my grandma, or, or you know, whatever. I didn't have that, you know? Of course, I, you know, growing up with the Spanish side of my family, you know, I had my cousin, Nano who was like an older brother and, um, you know? And so I, I had him or, you know, certain things. Uh, I didn't have any animals at that point in time had a dog here and there, but we kind of got rid of her because she was too rambunctious. Uh, German shepherd named Nadia. She was a pretty girl. But, you know, anyway, I didn't have that. So I really had to figure out how do I cope with this new lifestyle, with this new frame of seeing and it, it wasn't good at all. And, you know, my thoughts just got super, super dark over the years. Um, I, I think in high school, through college, you know, the older I got, the smarter I got, I started to think things, you know, but I didn't, I didn't understand a lot of it. I was ashamed of a lot of the things and a lot of the ways I was and how I acted. I would do anything for attention, for friendships or whatever. And I I just wanted people to give a shit about me. But then it took a turn. Somewhere. Between high school, college, first job, all around that area. And... I just started thinking the worst things possible. And I think part of it had to do with when I went to college, I didn't give myself a break from high school. I just jumped right into it. And then, like, nothing changed. I still didn't have any friends. I still, like everybody I did talk to in high school, they all went their separate ways. And I'm in college doing more work and not giving a shit. Still sitting by myself, still just wanting to go home and just get out of there. And there was a time where my mom was just like, all right, what's the next class you're going to take? And I just started crying. and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of doing this shit. I just got done on all, all this stuff. Like, this is, like, I, it just brought up more memories and it, it made me just feel, you know, even lonelier than I ever was. And I was getting older and older and I was starting to realize what I've become. And I had to really try to figure out who I was, well, the more problems I had, and the less people the more people that disappeared, and the less people I had in my phone context, like I used to joke and always say like I think I've deleted more phone numbers in my phone than I've added, and you know the whole ghosting kicked in with kids and you know young adults and shit and everybody's just blocking you for no reason or disappearing and they don't give you any real answers. Well, that goes back to that lady with the ice cream. They don't give you an answer. They just don't do it. And yes, no, I'm not holding a grudge against her anymore. But it hurt at that time. And it continues that's what people have always done. Um, and I think the thing that pushed it over <sighs> I, we eventually came down with bed bugs in our household. I don't really remember a lot of it because I suppressed it so much because I was so depressed and so frustrated because I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I'm the cleanest person in the world. Like I clean my house and I do all that. No, there's some stuff I can't see. And sometimes I'm in, a, I'm in an emotional state that I don't want to do anything. And I and and it's it's still go through that. Um when we got bed bugs, you know, or what I was trying to say is that I'm I'm really big on being clean. Just smells and, and whatever. And I felt so dirty. And you know, a lot of times I was the only one in the household. Mom would be working or whatever, my sister just would go out and play with her friends and just not come home and I'm just sitting there getting torn up by bugs. I can't sleep. And I'm just crushing them with my fingers and they have a certain smell. And it, it's disgusting. And the fact you you have to put all your clothes in the dryer and then put them in containers, you have to throw a lot of stuff away. You know, when we had to cut, we had to try to get a couch. We were throwing the one couch away. It was infested and we had to get it out of the door. But we had a big air conditioner and we couldn't get it through there. So we had to cut the couch. And when we did, they just poured out. It was gross. And I just remember a lot of nights just being in bed, kind of holding myself and just crying. Because I, one, I was ashamed of it. But two, you know, like I I didn't want to go any places. I didn't want to give anyone else that. I, you know, I just had more and more evil thoughts just pouring into my brain. And I just... I honestly, I just wanted to die. And I know some people are like, well, it's just bed bugs, and they, they, I know. Go through it. Trust me, it isn't fun at all. And I already had all the other, you know, baggage. And we finally got rid of them after whatever it was—five months or whatever it was. But I still. Anytime something rubs against my leg, where the covers, it's the cat's tail, I still constantly worry that I'm going to get them again, because I never want to go through that again. And so then my thoughts, I kind of came out of the bed bug thing, but still worry, still scratching and, you know, feeling my body and just... Because, I, you know, another thing, as I said before, my skin all burned off. So I have very sensitive skin. So I'm, I break out to really bad uh, uh, detergents and, and stuff like that and have bad allergies. So it's like there's a lot of things that look like that. So I would be tearing my bed apart. I'd call my mom and I'd say, hey, I'm tearing the bed apart. I think we might have them again. And it wasn't that at all. To the point where a lot of times I would lay, I'd flip the mattress over and sleep on the bottom of the mattress With no covers or anything, because it'd be white. Because when they bite you, you know, they they track blood. And I would wake up and there'd be no blood. And I'd go, okay, it'd make me feel a little better. But one of the things that got really, really bad through that, within that, and then got... It just exponentially shot up after, was my anxiety. And... You know, and again, my, I was still having eye problems and and everything else. So those times where I would be with my mom, and I remember one incident. I don't know who the person is. I couldn't tell her. She probably wouldn't even know. But I remember we were at Wise Grocery, grocery Store. No, excuse me, that's down here, uh, Shoprite in Philadelphia. And a friend of hers she knew came up to us, and I'm fighting all these battles in my head, and I'm just, I hope I die and fuck life and and, and all that. And he sticks his hand out and like, you know, it really is a lot like movies where it's like, it's very muffled, even though they're speaking normal, but you're so deep into battle mode and trying to survive your mind that you don't really give a shit and you don't really hear what other people are saying. So he sticks his hand out and goes, hey, I'm so-and-so. Nice to meet you. And, you know, I want to be like, hey, man, nice to meet you. I'm TJ, blah, blah, blah. And I stuck my hand out and I was, I just raised you, TJ. Like again, I, I'm you, you seem like a nice guy. I'm sure whatever, but he probably thought I was a total shithead, like just a douchebag. And he he had every right to feel that way. I'm not saying he did, but he had every right to feel that way. Because that wasn't me. I was lost somewhere in my head. Um. And. I remember just walking around Philly. A lot of times my mom would be gone. And I'd just be walking around by myself. Like ready to cry at any moment. And I'm thinking the worst of worst thoughts. Like, you know, I see a girl. I go, I want to rape her. Or I want to kill that person. Or I want to, you know, I want to punch that old lady in the face. I want to, like, all these irrational, horrible thoughts that I would never go through with. And a lot of people do go through these thoughts, but they never ever want to talk about it. And yeah, I know it makes me vulnerable to a lot of things and it makes people look at me different maybe, but I don't really care anymore because the only way to help people is to basically open Pandora's box and just let it all out. I, I, you know, it sucks. Um. And then, and then when you see people who have things that you don't have, the animosity that you grow towards people that have done nothing to you. You see a happy couple and you're just like, I hope they die or I hope they break up, whatever. You know, something bad happens to them. You know, I don't judge anybody because I understand how dark someone can feel. You know, I'm not a super religious person. I'm not one of these like, oh, the devil took over. No, I don't know what it is. You know, you can say it's a chemical imbalance or whatever. It's something. And it's it's terrible. And it really is this dark cloud. Pours over you. And, you know, when it comes to my anxiety. I. I. I couldn't take it anymore. It was beating me up so much. It was taking me to the hospital multiple times. Remember, and I'm not. I am not a give me attention. Like I like attention if I'm with a girl or, you know, it's nice to have attention. People care about you and so on. But I'm not a me, 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 me guy. And, you know, I was having so many panic attacks. And one of my biggest things was any girl that I ever had sex with or did any physical sexual contact with, I would panic afterwards. It would ruin the entire experience, even if it was terrible or whatever. I... I would panic about three things. Uh, STDs. Pregnancy. And bed bugs. See, because we never knew how we got the bed bugs. So, it immediately just was brought to my attention by myself. And maybe, you know, my mom said it's possible to me or whatever. Bringing a girl over there. So, thinking, you know, I got bed bugs from some girl I brought over. And... So that just stuck with me. So any girl I ever fooled around with, but like I'm lonely. I just wanted some attention. And of course, you're a grown guy. Of course, you want to have sex. There's that. But you want, you know, have chemistry with someone and and spend quality time with them. <clears throat> but that didn't happen. I mean, it would, but a lot of times it, there was a lot of dry spots. I didn't talk to anybody. Just people didn't pay attention to me, and I just would have to fight for every little you know, interaction with someone, and so when I actually get somebody, I would, I knew it would trigger things, but I did it anyway, so what would end up happening is I would, you know, whatever, sleep with them or fool around, whatever we would do, and my anxiety would go off the rails to the point where I would call STD hotlines, and I would just asked them like, oh, you know, how long does it take for this? And and the reality I was only worried about STDs that I that you basically couldn't get rid of. Mainly was herpes and warts and stuff like that. Um and I remember asking this girl and she was she was really nice and she, you could tell she was just enough of my shit. because I talked to her multiple times. But I would talk to her and I'm like, Well, how long, you know, does it take to show? And she'd go, Oh, well, may you know and a guy usually takes, you know, whatever less than a week, and then, you know, but sometimes it could take 14 days. So then, like, I would get to, like, the 14-day mark, and i go, ah, I'm good. And then I would talk to another person. I I talked to this one guy, and he was like, well, it could take 30 days up to maybe six months. I don't know what he was talking about. But either way, that freaked me out to no end. Like, I can't make it six months with this anxiety. I can't do it. Like, I'm just curling up in a ball. And one of the things that they were giving me was Klonopin. Now, if people don't know what Klonopin does, um, they all, it's, some, it's similar to what they give you in the hospital to kind of calm you down, which is Ativan, but Klonopin basically calms you down within about an hour. And it feels good. It's first time I take it, I think I slept for about 13 hours. But the one thing that they don't really talk about, one, it stays in your system for at least two weeks. But when you take it, it's super addictive. And how it is addictive is that it makes you want another one. So when I would wake up in the mornings, my heart would be beating out of my chest to the point where I, I couldn't take it. I would, I would get in the warm shower and I would get in the fetal position and just shake. And there would be times where I would just tell my mom, hey, you know, please help me. Like, I need to go to the ER. I need an STD test. I need this. Like, to the point where I literally would have to show her my penis and just say, like, can you see anything? Blah, blah, blah. Like, stuff I would never want to do if I was in my sane mind. And so there's a lot of times I would go to the hospital. I remember one time, I think my metabolism was very low. But I was breathing so heavy to the point where my toes and fingers locked up. So whatever place they were in, they stayed. And it hurt so bad. And they had to give me, they had to shoot some stuff into my IV and, and all that. And it calmed me down. And I got better for that point in time. But I I would go there a lot. Now, again, it helped my mom as a nurse and so on. And But, you know, and I knew everybody that worked there, basically. All the nurses anyway, Because they all went to school with my mom. And everybody was really nice. But I was such a... Like I, I not not to them, but I was just so afraid of everything, times ten because I used to be afraid of everything anyway. But I tried to get a little braver, and as I said, I never got a chance to grow. One thing after another, um, and the panic attacks were just—they got exponentially worse, over and over. Um, and my suicidal thoughts got so bad and there was a time where I just said I had enough I don't want to do this anymore I don't even think I had a legit reason I just I just wanted the thoughts to stop I wanted to stop feeling angry and sad and lonely and you know I was just tired of grabbing my cat and crying and, and, you know, I just felt so weak. And I knew my mom had a gun. Um, and I said, fuck it. And I went to her room. I knew where she kept it. Grabbed it. And realized it had a lock on it. And I had two emotions that ran through my head. Whew. Fuck. Because I really did want to die and then another thing kicked in my head like wow you were serious this wasn't just like oh let's just let's just see what will what will come from this let's see when you you pussy out i now wasn't that at all um and I, i didn't i wasn't feeling anything you know, I think I'd call my grandma multiple times a week. I was trying to do anything. I was trying anything to just stay sane. And I you know, I'd get off the phone sometimes with her and I just would cry because I knew this is not who she wanted me to be. I knew she wouldn't be proud of this. The idea that I want to blow my brains out. And so I realized for a long time even after that, I was just like, I think the only reason I'm living is for my mother and my grandmother. Cause it's not hard to get a gun in Philly. It's not hard to overdose on medication. You know, there's knives downstairs. Like, do I really want to die? And, uh, uh, you know, a huge voice in the back of my head said, yeah, but wait till your grandma goes, wait till your mom goes. And then we'll just, we'll take care of this. Well, obviously they're still both here. And I think my final straw with the anxiety where I said, you know what, this is bullshit. I, we were getting furniture in the house, again, through the bed bug stuff. And I remember them putting the new bed set and all that in my bedroom and the floors like would shake a little and so on. And I just felt like the floors were gonna cave in. And I realized how, how irrational that was Even though all the other thoughts were as well. But it was like, this is crazy. I'm freaking out because of this. And so. You know, my mom and I just. It's like, yeah, therapy. We got to do it. Um, And I actually, I think I was doing it during that time too. But it wasn't. I didn't have the right therapist. And then. She might hate me for mentioning her. But I had a therapist named Sheree. And, you know. I don't know if I ever thanked her. Because she really did open me up. See, I was never this outspoken. I was never the one that wants to fight for everyone. I had the fight deep down inside, I knew that, but I knew I, I never would ever talk out loud. I would be the one that just was really, you just mumble shit. And, and she pushed me. And we actually had legitimate arguments too. But I knew when I left there that I still cared about her. And we became great friends and so on. We're still friends to this day. But it it opened me up and it made me so much more vocal and it made me come to terms with who I am, who I am and what I want. And it made me have to tell someone. I didn't mean I guess I didn't have to, but it made me tell her. I told her things that I didn't tell anyone else. And I realized, like, oh, that wasn't that hard. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. And so at some point or another, we came to it and just said, all right, let's try medication. And the Paxil was what I had at the time. Now I take Zoloft. But it was given to me, and he said, well, it's going to take about six to eight weeks to kick in. Well, the problem is I'm still in full-blown panic mode. Therapy's helping a little bit, little things, you know, I'm I'm constantly watching movies and playing video games and trying to like one of the things I learned to do is multitask. Keep your mind moving, but distract it with multiple things. Like I would play a game, I might play a podcast. Excuse me. Um I might yeah, I might play a podcast and then maybe play a game on my phone and maybe have some ambient sounds in the background, maybe drink some green tea, constantly try to do things. And so, that did work. Um, And I had to slowly weigh off the Paxil, or excuse me, the uh, Klonopin. And when it finally got out of my system, and I wasn't beating out of my chest anymore, and I could breathe fully, it felt like rejuvenating. It really, really did. Um, And the medication really did work. I mean, it it did some stuff in my mind and so on, but... It really made me feel a little, it made my mind feel clearer to where I wanted to go next. So I made a pact. Weirdly, this is why I remember this exactly. But I remember we were in Lowe's in Philly, me and my mom. That's the thing, I do a lot of my thinking, like, I probably owe a lot of people apologies, including my mom, including a lot of people that I wasn't a good person to have around. I wasn't talkative. I didn't give anyone any feedback. But I did a lot of thinking for some reason in public. And I remember I was, we're, we're, she was buying seeds for her garden or whatever she was planting or whatever she was making. Um, and I, I made a pact while she was doing that. I'm like, what do I want today? Do I want to die? Yes and no. Do... Do I wanna live? Yes and no. What do I want more? I wanna live more. So there's there's two ways this can go. You do one of these two things, kill yourself when you get home or in the next whatever week or so. Kill yourself or live. It's all you have is your only two options. Forget option CD to Q. Doesn't matter, there is no other option. There's one or two options, kill yourself or live. Do you have the balls to kill yourself right now? No. Well then I guess you wanna live. So it's kind of an extreme pact, but it's what I needed. Give myself no way out, none whatsoever. And it worked, I'm still here. Um, but I really want to make it clear I still have a lot of these thoughts. Not necessarily wanting to hurt people or any of that. But I, there's, there's always a day where I just want to kill myself. I mean, every day I think about it, even if it's for two seconds. It's just like, I don't want to deal with this eye stuff anymore. I don't want to... I'm tired of watching people go through things and, and feel pain and suffer. I just want to... I just want to be happy do I think I'll ever be happy, you know? Like, I don't know. And, you know, I, another thing, like, if I didn't have Diva through a lot of her, my cat, like, if I didn't have her through all that, it's another thing, like, I would have been dead. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, oh, you, you have the eye stuff, you have this. Well, the, the reality of it is, I don't know a person, again, you could say you don't know anyone that doesn't have some kind of mental illness or depression or so on. But when you have a disability and people look at you differently and you realize you have to fight to fit in or you have to fight to just be among society and you have to do extra things. You know, you need canes, you need a dog or you need glasses, you need all these things. You know, psychologically that messed me up for a while because I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go the opposite. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of being visually impaired. I was ashamed of everything I was. So, you know, there's always this misconception that, you know, oh, well, you know, yeah, your eyes suck, but you know, cool. Like oh, like like it's our one thing in life. Well, you know what? I still could get cancer. I could still get some tragic thing. You know, my family's going to die eventually. My grandma's going to die. My mom's going to die. You know, I just lost Diva. Like, I have friends I care about. They may go. I mean, they will eventually. You know, tragedy doesn't stop happening. You know, there's, there's that you know, it was a very underrated movie, the last Rocky movie, not the Creed ones. the last Rocky movie, where he's talking to his son, and his son is kind of embarrassed by the fame and who his dad is, you know, his dad's Rocky Balboa, and everybody comes up to him, it's like, oh, you're Rocky's kid, and on, and, you know, he's kind of avoiding him, doesn't want to be around him, because he wants to be known as whatever his name was, he doesn't want to be known as Rocky's kid. And he tells them, like, you know, Life is, you know, no one's going to hit you harder than life. You know, life is going to break you down to your knees. And it's up to you to choose if you want to stay there. And that hit hard because it's the truth. Even if there's days that I didn't completely stand. I may have put my hand up to grab something to pull me up, obviously metaphorically. Um, Just the try, lift the finger. You have to fight, because when you get engulfed into that dark cloud that is depression and anxiety, it's over, because everything is irrational. Everything that is being told to you is die. That you're ugly. That you're a piece of shit. You're not worth anything. You're stupid. You know, no one will ever want you in life. No one cares about you. You know, anything, any insecurity you have will get magnified times a thousand. And, you know, I don't care if it's a pimple on your face. That pimple will turn into an ulcer. It'll turn into, like, I remember with the STD stuff. I remember, you know, kind of a sidebar here. But I remember... Going to WebMD and typing in symptoms for things, and it were all, everything STD related would come up because everything. Because like if you have a cold, you know it gives you body aches, and you know a lot of things that happen. A lot of STD besides the major stuff, you know blisters and all that. Besides that, basically all the symptoms are the same, and it sucks. You know, same with stress because the stress comes from it. I deal with that a lot. It it. it, it makes me I just I'm I'm out of it I'm tired all the time and that's been one of the big problems is that I'm, I'm emotionally drained all the time I don't have the energy and I take vitamin d and I take all these supplements and stuff to try to you know for health reasons but also you know obviously with all this corona crap but also just to keep me try, try to try to fight anything that's killing me inside and you know, try to go against the stress. I, I take a protein bar, chocolate chip protein bar, and a, uh, a green tea in the morning. And it's good for you. It's all good stuff. But I, it, you know, it helps. And whatever does help, do that. And I, I'll say a little more in the conclusion. Okay. But as I said before, I'm not done with this. I'm winning a lot of little battles. I'm losing them too, but I'm winning some. Obviously, I guess I've won the biggest. I'm winning the biggest battle is that I'm still here. But I still have those thoughts of wanting to die. You know, I kind of go into this paralysis. I lay in bed. I know there's a big knife in my headboard. Now, no, I didn't buy that to kill myself. I really like the knife. I'm, I like knives, and you know, I have many purposes. I'm not into like knives like people are into guns, but. I, you know, some knives I like, and I have one, I keep it here just for protection, and just because it's a nice knife, but it's in my headboard, just in case I have to grab it, and somebody comes in the middle of the night and knocks on my door, it happens, trust me, regardless, don't have any plans on using it, on anybody or myself, but there's times I'm just laying in bed, I'm just like, I wanna, I just wanna fucking go, and I wanna grab that knife, and my body keeps me from moving. And that's why there's there's always been this unhidden fight in me that doesn't want to let me do the wrong thing, especially something that I can't reverse. I don't know what that is, you know, and kind of getting towards the end here, you know, I'm trying to think of what do I want from life now? You know, you know. I've always said I just want a really good woman in life. and You know, whatever. A nice home and all the typical crap people say. I just want to make a difference. Even if it's a small difference. You know, that's why I'm doing this podcast. It's a fight for a change in me. It's a fight for the next chapter. It's the positive direction that I'm trying to go. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I've jokingly said, like, I'm trying to do the right thing for once. What I really mean by that is I'm tired of listening to the back of my head. I'm tired of, you know, the quote-unquote, like, the cartoonish, like, oh the devil and the uh, angel on each shoulder. And one is overly positive and one is overly negative, but they're both wrong and both right at the same time. And where you have to be is in the middle but they both keep nagging at you. You know, I've told myself to shut the hell up multiple times out loud in my life because I get tired of hearing it. You know, like with anxiety, there's times where you'll get a breather where you're just like, all right, I feel all right. Okay, it's not so bad. I'm going to be all right, blah, blah, blah. And then, boom, the tingle kicks in and you just feel that darkness and you're just like, ugh. I hate this. I want to die. Oh, You know, like maybe a warm shower helps you out. And then, I don't know, time goes by a little bit. Five minutes go by and boom, you're just back to raging out and constantly just shaking and so on. So anyway, back to what I was saying. What do I want? I just want to help people. You know, I love animals. I love technology. And I love to help people. So the podcast is the start of the first thing. I wanna help people as much as possible. I really want to do anything I can to make people who feel like me, not just in this area, you know, with the disability stuff or anybody who just feels like an outcast, anybody who feels like they just aren't welcomed anywhere. You know, I wanna try to find a place that can help give give people that place that they can go to. Whether it's a virtual place, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whatever it is, just want people to not feel like how I feel all the time. And again, I as I said before, I'm a lot better than I used to be, trust me. And they know there's people who have like, oh, I wonder if he's suicidal and he wants to kill himself. Yeah, I do. But I also want to live. And my you know, the overpowering ability of wanting to live, you know, succeeds the darkness of, I want out of here. Um, So then onto the animals, you know, obviously I have a cat, you know, I want to get a small house. I would like to have more animals and put tech, you know, a lot of different tech stuff. I have different colored lights that can change the lights and fill up few bulbs and have an air conditioner controlled by my phone. Smart plugs and all this crap, but I want to get more stuff like the the, the ring bells, the 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 doorbells, the, the cameras, and I want to I want to just tech out my whole house. Can't do that with an apartment because you don't own it. I guess technically you can't you don't own a house, but you can do more with it. You know what I mean. But I want to have a lot more animals. I want to go back to doing some more volunteering. You know, helping out and you know rescue animals and stuff like that. Um, as far as The tech stuff. Like, I like fixing people's phones. I don't know. Maybe I can find that as, like, a little side job or side project or something. Um, You know, so there's that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, these are positive ideas. But the main thing or the main uh, objective that I'm trying to get across here is that I I do want to live. You know, yeah, there's a part of me when I say that right now that I'm like, no, you know, I second guess everything I do, but I'm still here. That's the important part. And anybody who hears this, I appreciate it. I know I'm saying a lot of crap. It's terrible. Um, you know. I also have a very dark sense of humor, so sometimes that comes out, and it's like, Oof, why would he say that?" You know, like I might joke with my grandma, like, "Oh, I'd like to drink some of the amoxicillin in your, uh, in your medicine cabinet." She said, don't you joke about that? And to me, it's silly, but I get why she wouldn't like it. Um, but anyway, like I said i have a conclusion and I'll finish the rest of this and what we should do. But. You know, if you see anybody like that, who's just in a corner and they just don't want to talk to anybody, give them a hug. Give a shit. Seriously, man, you really can impact someone's life for the betterment more than you possibly could imagine if you just do certain things. You re- and you also could affect them negatively, man. You could be that final, you know... A hurdle that just says, I'm not jumping. I'm just, well, I'm going to jump, but I'm going to jump into a river. I'm going to jump off a building. You know, like, I don't want to live anymore. Like, I really, maybe today was the day that I'm going to go out with some confidence and I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? Boom. I'm, this is it. I'm going to, I'm got some confidence. I'm happy. And I'm going to try to make some friends. And you, bump into the wrong person, and they treat you like absolute shit. Maybe somebody you thought you had a crush on, you were just like, no, I just wanna let you know you're pretty, or handsome, or whatever. And they just go, eel, And you're just like, that's it. Now, even if you weren't attracted to them, even if you have no interest in dating them, you don't do that. So, again, I know there's a lot of assholes in this world and I hope I don't have any of them as my audience. Oh, please don't. By the way, you're all called blind spots. That's that's the name of the fan base. Yes, I know. Um, anywho, you know, just just love people as best as you can. Don't alienate anybody because they're different. It sucks. It really does suck. And you know. Anybody could have been my reason of killing myself. And I know there's plenty of people that don't make it. A lot of them. And that doesn't mean they're not fighters either because you don't know how long they've been fighting. So, again, guys, thank you for listening from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you all, especially for all the new people who have been listening. It's The numbers are going up more and more, and I'm I'm so grateful for that. And I'm um, more positive about this podcast. And uh, I'm just trying to remember if I forgot anything. I kind of had a list of stuff I was going through. But, um, you know. Anyway, like I said, just be nice to everyone. Try your best. I get it. There's a lot of dicks out there. But, like I said, don't be the reason they don't want to live anymore. Don't be that final straw. And, um yeah, we'll back with episode 9 next week. And I promise it'll be more upbeat. I'll be interviewing my, my good friend, Polly. And uh, it should go well. But uh, thanks, guys, again. And uh, stay tuned for the conclusion. Thank you. Oh, wait. I can't end it yet because I have to go to the app. Anyway. <laughs> uh, again, guys, thank you. Now I can hit the um, the end button. See you, guys boy
1: hey guys sorry i had one more thing um that was in my notes and i forgot to mention for this episode was uh my little routine to help combat the stress depression doubt you know anxiety all the fun stuff um i drink uh, bigelow green tea um you could choose any brand you want um, I prefer this one. It tastes really good. Um, I choose lemon, but they, they have mango and all these other flavors. But um, you know, definitely try it. Um, for I usually have a cup of that in the morning. Uh, you can drink it cold or warm, but I have mine cold, or excuse me, warm. And for breakfast, I with that I have a breakfast bar, uh, protein bar, twelve grams of what does it say here? Uh, chocolate chip, obviously, is the flavor. Uh, Special K. If I didn't say that, it's delicious. It tastes like a cookie. Um, I tried the strawberry one. It kind of tastes like like oatmeal in a bar. It's it's okay, but you know, chocolate chip is delicious. It's it's really really good. Um, I take these supplements. These like gummies. Um, you just eat a couple a day. Eat like two of them. Um, and it has all the nutritious vitamins like b a c d you know all that it has it all in there, really, really good, just kind of help the chemical imbalance as they say it is um exercise is good, of course, um talking to my friends and and family and so on, just basic conversation, just stuff to make you feel good about yourself and for them and helping others, and of course, loving up my kitty and any animal makes me happy I'm sure a lot of it helps a lot of people as well um c b d oil is the big one I use it to sleep it's help just to kind of keep the anxiety and stress down I take a drop or two a night it's really good I recommend it I get the highest doses I'm on like 800 milligrams or 750 whatever it is uh, multiple flavors just make sure you get the right brands out there not the knockoff bullshit ones um, it can be a little expensive but to me it's worth it it's your health um yeah like I said guys thank you again for listening um we're gonna get to conclusion right now. Thank you.
0: Hey guys, so I'm back with the conclusion. I'm 31 years old. I'm still depressed. I still have anxiety. I still have stress, but I'm still here. I've gone through all those dark tunnels or whatever you want to call them. Every hurdle, and I'm still standing. Even if my legs are shaky, I'm still standing. Even if I have to grab onto something, I'm still standing. So, my final thoughts are simple. Find whatever it is that puts you in your happy place. And I know that's cheesy, but so be it. Find whatever it is that keeps you moving. Keeps you smiling. You know, if I didn't have my mom, my grandma... My cousin Penny, certain family members, I wouldn't be alive today. You know, if I didn't have my friends like Sue Ellen and John and Julia and Paul and Tommy, and Noah and Dunia and Roxy and Chris and Kevin and, and Sophia, like, yeah, I don't know if I said Noah, you know. Um, I wouldn't be alive, man. So many days I just don't want to be, but I'm going to keep pushing because I can't let them down. Um, you know, when I was going through school, if I didn't have Miss Robbins or Miss Johnson, I would have killed myself. I didn't believe in myself. I know, I said out loud, I remember saying this, that I don't care if I end up being a loser as long as I'm with my friends or with people that are, you know, have broken eyes like I do, you know, I'd rather be with them than be with people who are going to just judge me and not accept me. And I didn't want to be different. Well, We're here now, and I'm different. I'm weird. I have crazy thoughts. I think outside the box and different than a lot of other people. Um, But another thing that I have, the good, the good qualities, I'm honest. I'm loyal. And I give a shit about people, animals, you know, just on the sidebar with the animal thing. Like, if I didn't have Diva through a lot of the times I had her... Trust me, her climbing into bed and just kind of rubbing against me and laying next to me for an hour while I was crying in bed and just just tired of everything, having her to cuddle with and just her to be there, that made me happy, you know, if I didn't find a new show or whatever, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand how little interactions Little moments can really change a person's life Or impact them At least keep them alive for a little longer Until they get to the next checkpoint And, um, you know, there's a lot of moments like that in my life And I thank every one of those people And I know they all listen And, are, you know, some are bigger than others You know, like my mom Or my grandma But everybody plays a part um, even now, spending time with you know Rachel, like she's done a lot for me, making me feel better and attractive and and so on, you know. But that doesn't still mean I don't feel ugly or I still don't want to throw my head into a wall. But it helps; it keeps me to want to get up every day. Um, you know, even having Bullet now, my new cat, like he's great. We're not bonding like Diva and I have. But it's new. He's a different cat. But he's a good kitty and, you know, he's affectionate and I love that. And he's here. Um, That's why I got him so quick. You know, Diva died. Three days later, I had him. I didn't want to leave that silence and that void of just nothing there. So, you know, again, guys, whatever it is that makes you happy, please, please find it. You know, find support groups. Whether it's on Facebook or somewhere online Whether it's going to them Whatever you're comfortable with You know Spend time with the people that love you And want you to be around Whether it's your parents, your friends You know, whatever A former teacher uh, Someone you're in love with You know, as a boyfriend or girlfriend You know, this is not gendered by You know, there's no gender There's no race There's none of this This affects everyone And You know, just on a send out, please, everybody, fight, trust me, killing yourself does silence all the noise, but it causes a lot of noise for a lot of other people, and that's not something you want, trust me, I'm not religious, and I don't know, you know, if you can see down from wherever and look at how Your death affects other people Like if you can watch your funeral you can watch You know you can go into each household And look how everyone's crying over your death Or maybe they're happy Whatever But if you can And you can see that Imagine how that's going to affect you If you think you are depressed before You know So You have to think of every angle of it and again, I'm not saying I'm not a believer that people who kill themselves are cowards or anything. I understand it, trust me. But I also understand wanting to kill myself and then kind of getting through it, and then actually having a decent day and going, hmm, you know, let's 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 keep going with this. See how this goes. And you hit another bump, and you do the same thing. <laughs> So this episode was hard on me and I'm sure it was hard on some other people to listen. I know. But again, for all those who are listening that don't know me, the people who do know me, I love you all. Trust me, I do. Anybody giving good feedback and supporting this it it means a lot. And um again, it's part of the big plan as far as keeping TJ alive and again, I you know, I shouldn't say that cuz that's like, oh, if you don't listen, you know, none of that. But Anybody who listens Even though I stress out about Making this bigger and all that But Hopefully it'll come But again Thank you for all Thank you all for really Giving a shit And loving me And supporting me And Even if I can't say it to you sometimes Cause I'm just In my own feelings and emotions No I care Okay Thank you guys again And uh I promise next week will be a more Upbeat episode It'll be an interview with my friend Paulie, And um Yeah. See you guys next time. Bye.